again, I just, dude, I just dropped to the kitchen floor and I just sat there against the cabinets and I just fucking cried. And I was like, this fucking sucks. This sucks so bad. And if I'm going through this with just this minute situation, like it terrified me. It absolutely terrified me. And it got me to a place of, of, I don't know if I'm going to be returning East because I don't know if I'm getting out of this situation. Street cop. I'm Kenny Williams. I teach interdiction mastermind with street cop training and I'm with Ali Oop and some other names. So we'll let her go and introduce herself from there. Hey Kenny. <laughs> hey guys, it's Ali. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, we tried to do this multiple times before this. That's why we're laughing because it's been a complete clusterfuck. So we're going to go from there, but I'm here with Ali today and we're going to talk a little bit about the internal stresses of the job and not so much that what we prepare ourselves for as cops, we prepare ourselves for the external stuff of, you know, like bad guys, fights, all these things, like the normal stuff that most people think that cops deal with on a daily basis. But there's a lot of internal things that within departments and dynamics that I think hamper cops more than any of that external stress. And we also see some pretty traumatic things uh, just in general in life. But as cops, we're seeing that on a daily basis where most people are seeing traumatic incidences, maybe a handful of times a year, we're seeing that if not daily, weekly. That was, that was a big piece of me getting out truthfully was, was all of those internal stresses. And my feeling is though I didn't have the proper outlet for it. And it's actually something I just talked about recently on a podcast, the, um, with the anti-hero podcast that I didn't feel like I had that outlet for everything that I had going on. I also didn't feel like I had that support system within my life to feel the safety, to let it out to someone who would actually understand what I was going through. Like we have each other, of course, but I feel like there's always that, that stigma still, even though we're all going through it. It's like, you don't want to exactly admit what's going on in your mind realistically it's like if this is bothering me to this extent is there something wrong with me if i don't see other people going through that as well if i don't see their struggles with it and then the more i was processing it and then i think the more i started sharing things on my social media and having people reach out to me of like thank you thank you for posting this thank you for bringing light to this and it's something that actually boggled my mind because I'm like, wait, okay, I've always been an open book. So that was another problem for me of, of feeling like I needed to keep so much in because it just wasn't who I am at all, ever. <laughs> you can't get me to shut about anything. So it's creating, trying to create that safe space within myself and then, and then realizing like, oh my God, do I not have someone to talk to? I have an amazing therapist. But there's still, there's still, I think, a disconnect with when it came to talking about job stresses and, you know, just, just the things that we see and experience. And to, to create that space, which is what I, I would, my processing brought me to in creating my mentorship program, is giving that safe space to talk about these things without the fear of, am I going to lose my gun? Am I going to lose my shield? Because I'm not at that point. It's, it's just, like speaking for, for, you know, everyone else of, of we, there are those points. Absolutely. People get to that point where it's like, you got to go, we got to take care of yourself. And this isn't the right time for you to have these things, but we're going to get you help. We're going to, we're going to do X, Y, Z for that. But so many of us are just like, we had an incredibly crazy day where we're going from good call, bad call, good call, or just consistent bad. Very rarely are we going to have consistent good calls. We're not there for people on their best day. We're there for people on their worst day. Yep, absolutely. So it's, yeah, and it's it's that fear of, of, I just need to get it out. I just need to talk about, I just saw this. I just did this. I just experienced this. I'm okay. I mean, it's fucked up, but I'm okay. And I just need to let it out because if we don't let it out, it just keeps piling, 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 piling up until we hit that breaking point where it's like, okay, now it's it's time to take to take this away for right now when we're being punished just for feeling just for being human 
And that element in itself, I feel like is so lost upon so many people in society of, of what we actually go through. They see the cops and robbers. They see, you know, everything that the media is showing them. And we're the big bad wolf in so many ways to them. But, but you're still the one calling us, you know, for when, when, when shit goes down. On top of you're still the one calling us when, you know, someone's, someone's hurt. We're the ones going to the accidents where your brother, sister, cousin got involved in. And it's that that disconnect within society as well of this. This is more than than a career. It affects us deeper than a career. And I think so many of us have that difficulty in even admitting admitting it to ourselves that, yeah, we signed up for this. We know what we signed up for. But then we really understand or I don't even want to say understand because it's hard to understand everything. You know, yeah, we, it's just yeah, when we sign that that sign up for this job, we have a we imagine that the career is going to do we're going to do some of that stuff. We just don't have yeah. the vision of how much it's going to be and how it's going to tax us. Do you think yeah. that some of that external stress leads to that internal stress from within the department because we? Oh yeah aren't supportive enough and don't understand how to cope with it. And it's an unknown. So it's not so much that the internal stuff is coming as from my experience, my department is a really good department. So they, they're very supportive, but they also, I think that we all deal with it different ways and dealing with that external stress. I might need this and this person might need this. And it's such an unknown that we don't spend the time to completely understand or see which way the girls or guys minds going and mm -hmm. what would be the most beneficial to them how do you think that we get over over that that stigma almost and 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 i know a lot of it i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be so bad that all of a sudden we need to go talk to a therapist because we're going to do something that's catastrophic mm -hmm. it could yeah it's just normal like venting almost and mm -hmm. what, what would your avenue of escape be there like would you consider ha departments having like a an onboard therapist, like an actual therapist there just said, I've had a really rough day. Can I sit down and talk to you for 30 minutes? Just about, I'm not, I'm not, I just need to get it out of my mind. So I'm not sitting there replaying it all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely think that. And with, but with that too, I think that we all have that fear still, in, still instilled within us of if I say the wrong thing, or if I say, the right thing to get it out of me, is it going to be misconstrued into the wrong thing? And so that's why I, I created that was, is, is to give that safe space of, you know, it might not be in the agency, but it's right there accessible at your fingertips right, via right. your phone, your whatever, your, your computer. But to have that in-house would be incredible. And I know a lot of agencies have like a CIT and, and so that being said, it also comes down to trusting the individual because we all have different relationships with different people. And it's like, okay, I get it. You are a CIT guy or girl, but is what I'm telling you really going to stay with you? <laughs> you, no, you know what that, I mean? That's what I wrote that down. And literally exactly what I was going to say. I, I, I'm, I don't know exactly yeah. know what CIT means in oh, crisis intervention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so we have, we have similar things at our department and I have, might have a great relationship with that person, but there's other people that might mm. not have such a great relationship. And even if they are trained and they're going to do the right thing for them, whatever that may be, if I don't have a good rapport with you, I'm no. not going to go tell you this shit. There's no fucking way. Like I'm going <laughs> to like, unless I feel comfortable with you, I'm not going to open up and tell you about like what I'm actually thinking about. Exactly. Uh, and it's having there, that experience too of like with the disconnect with the therapist, if you put the fear aside or you, I'm going to use the word fear because it is, it's, it's a mm -hmm. deep seated fear, whether we want to admit it or not of fuck, am I going to lose my job? If I just say like coming up to this accident with everyone smeared all over the pavement, like I need to get that visual out verbally, like, oh my God, I don't even think it doesn't understand it. Right. I don't even think it's losing your job completely. Cops are so it's just taking confident. My, yeah, like taking my gun away. Just that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even just oh, like that, yeah. that little bit. Like, if I say something wrong, am I gonna go home without my duty weapon? That is a uh yeah, 
we are so like ingrained that that is our lifeline and is as small and as minute as it might seem to other people like mm-hmm. through an academy you're trained like that gun doesn't leave your hip unless you yeah. take it out all these other things and all of a sudden we're going to go be vulnerable and we might we might leave this office now with the thing mm-hmm. that we've been so ingrained with our entire career that is our lifeline so exactly. I, I, it doesn't even have to be like so catastrophic that i'm gonna get fired it's just that little yeah. piece that that tiny little piece and um Mm-hmm. I, it's such a delicate subject though, because you're right. No one wants to open up about it. No one wants to talk about mm-hmm. it. And I don't think that there is a, this is how we have to do it for every single person. You can't be because we're all human. Yeah. Everyone has different perspectives. Everyone deals with things different ways. And you can't yeah. have a black and white way of coping with something that is affecting each individual differently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think like a, a very important thing that, becomes a disconnect as well. And that's something that I'm also touching base on and really opening myself up to everyone in the most vulnerable way on my social media of sharing my connection with, with source and for anyone with God, with, with the divine, because that's something that I think that we really lose a disconnect with. If you were brought up with it, if you weren't, it's just the concept of believing in something like, I don't care what it is, but believe in something that is outside of your 3D world that you're surrounded by at all times is, is to believe that, okay, everything's happening for a reason. I'm in this career for a reason. I'm at this call for a reason. What is that reason? That nothing's happening to us. Everything's happening for us. So it's it's being able to remove ourselves from that that, that situation and find that that faith and that belief that there's something greater out there that's got our back. That you know what I mean? To have yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To build that connection with that and within self to form that 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 kind of self-regulation, I guess you could say, where if you feel as though you're alone, it you're able to kind of pull up like, okay, I'm not alone, which is not easy to say, is to is to just be like, well, you know, I have my, my ancestors around me, or I've got angels and whatever it is that you believe in. That is a hard, hard concept to pull yourself out of this, this rigid dynamic that we are so ingrained with. And that is what keeps us in this fight flight state that, you know, we're, we're created, we're created. I don't, and I don't want to say that we were all broken down from who we were. I think it's very important. And it's conversations that I know you and I have had of the individuality that we bring to this career. And that we're able to remember that it's not all about this. It has to be when we're on the job, but we still have to remember to be ourselves. And I think a lot of people lose that. And then in losing that, this is in my own own opinion and what I've seen with other people and experience with myself is in losing that, that version of yourself, who is your truest self to you then you feel even more alone because then you don't even know who you are to go and talk with someone of like, okay, what, what do you think would be the best way to handle this? How do you think, what's a good way for you to process this? Or why does this make you feel this way? And if you've gotten to such a point of a disconnect with yourself, because you are hypervigilant, you're to the extent of it being unhealthy because you are in the mindset of go, 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 that you can't even turn it off when you get home, that you completely lose touch with that. And the importance of having friends outside of the job. All of these dynamics are encompassed within that of, I don't know how to even ask for help to a friend, to a family member within, within the job. And then you have that trust factor with, with the coworkers as well. I think we, and we all walk around with this, with, with the tough guy, tough girl facade that, oh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. And then like I said earlier that I think that that creates that, that divide even between partners, even between a, a therapist and appointed therapist. So you don't want to let that vulnerable side out when your vulnerability is the strongest thing that you have. It's the strongest attribute that you have because it allows you to express what's actually going on within you to keep you in a healthy, regulated, grounded state to operate on a daily basis presently. And that's a huge problem too. It's like, yes, we are so present in the job. It can be scary because we're so busy looking around everything else, but, and we have to be, we have to be present. We have to be in the present moment. 
But while we're also present, I think a lot of us disconnect because then we're in our minds creating scenarios that have not even happened in that moment or what could happen, what could happen. Again, we need to always anticipate, but but to what extent to where it, it creates that healthy boundary? And I think that that's something that that's for the individual, but it's starting with recognizing that we need to remain present, not only in the moment, but within ourselves. And that's, no, that's I could, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. So I feel that when you, when you keep your individuality while a cop, you are easily relatable when you're dealing with people. You're more empathetic. You're more understanding. You, you're more human-like. I feel like mm-hmm. once, you, once you cross over that threshold where now you only associate with being a cop or with that department, you're very robotic. You're very authoritative. And you become less less hum, human-like. You know, honestly, yeah. it's, it's like very robotic. And, and uh, people don't find you relatable. And I feel like you, you can almost tell the individuals that, and it's not a bad thing, in the sense that you are all about the career and you're all about the profession, but we all need that break. And I think if you're able to, whatever that break is for you individually, like me, for me individually, I often, I don't, I don't always carry a gun on me. Cause then if I have a gun Mm -hmm. on me, I know for a fact that I'm going to be this ultimate, like, like I'm not going to relax and enjoy my time with my friends and my family, because now if something happens, I have a weapon I should be the one that's, you know, back in cop mode. And I, so for me, that simple disconnect for the moment, I usually do it in very safe settings or whatever, but I'm like, you yeah. know I'm saying? Like I'm not walking around in public and, and, but if I'm at my buddy's house, maybe I'll leave it at home. So now I can relax and have a good time and not think about with a cop mind mm-hmm. and I can be more human-like and that helps me disconnect, relax, get back to like, oh shit, this is what real yeah. life is. I don't have to be so vigilant all the time. I, I don't know. I, I think that if I was you the same see way. yourself- yeah, if you see yourself going where you're so robotic at all times and, and, and so cautious and all these other things, I think that there has to be a way for you as an individual to go back to where you were and understand like in the mind that you have to be human to be a better cop and to actually do that job effectively without it destroying your own mental sanity and then yeah. everything else. Because once you start to lose this and you go home, your wife, your, your, your husband, your family, you're going to put that stress right back on them and they're going to have yeah. to deal with that too. So it just creates a horrible dynamic where you're not able to even relate to even your family. Now, all of a sudden yeah. you went from stress with on the job, all these things that I'm seeing stressing me out constantly. I try to go home and relax. I don't do that because I'm not turning it off as a cop. Now my family sees that now I'm not. And then you just get deeper and deeper in, the, in that cycle of always being in cop mode. And then now you only relate to being cop mode. So now if you, at this point, you're so far into it, you're like, shit, now how do I go talk about this? Because if they take my gun, I don't have this. And I can't relate to my family anymore. I don't have my individuality. This is all I relate to. And you just get stuck in this fucking vicious cycle. So early in individuals' careers, I think that you have to like be able to disconnect at some point and go, like for me, my wife always forces me to go away for a weekend. Like whatever that go away is. like, but. If I didn't have her, I don't know if I would do that. Like she forces me to do that, which I'm so grateful now at this point in my career. Um, early on, I would be kind of frustrated. Like I would literally have like my, yeah. the, you know, like my, my work computer on me at all times and all these other things. It was just, I was really bad because I, I also didn't want to leave my guys. Like I didn't, even though I was off duty, if something bad happened, I wanted to be available to go help them, you know? So it was just, it was just a, a vicious cycle. And, and thank God my wife, uh, was able to pull me out of that a little bit. And now I see why. And mm-hmm. then if you're in that huge cycle, if you're a cop for 20 years, you live literally about, tw- yeah, if you do 20 years, your lifespan is predicted to be between 15 to 20 years less than the average citizen. And that's yeah. the shit that, that, that right there is creating that, that horrible cycle. So you have to have a good balance in order to prolong your life and just to have a better like mental state after you leave, during your yeah. career, any of that. Completely. Completely. And that's where with the disconnect with like the mind, body, soul piece of we become disconnected with how are we feeling? And is it is it from the job or are we actually having health issues? And like how how many of us have gut problems? You know what I mean? It's it's where within our body that we store the trauma that we're experiencing, that we don't feel like we can release it. 
And I, I'm the same way. I, I was the same way with my firearm. I, when I was in a setting that I knew I was safe and, or I knew that I was going to be surrounded by people and we're like, all right, you know, how many of us are doing all of this, but I, and I would get shit for it. I don't know if you get shit for it. Probably like I would get shit for it all the time. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to lose my humanity in that sense of feeling like exactly. I need to be the one to act. It's not like I, because I don't have it, I'm going to like quiver under the table if shit goes down. Like, no, because that's not who I am as an individual. It's not who you are as an individual, but I don't, I, I think it's that need exactly of being able to disconnect yourselves from that and hand in hand, connect yourself within yourself to listen to yourself in the moment, to feel that comfortability that I know I'm going to be okay if I don't have it on me. Exactly. I, it, and that's something that I think so many people can't do. And that's with whether it's ingrained from coming from a law enforcement family, coming from a military family, or if it's ingrained just solely when you went to the academy, or if you weren't someone who, who, carried all the time you become a police officer you feel that trust that you know you don't need it on you all the time and then you've got that one incident or two incidences that now you're in that state of like everyone's out to get me everyone's out to get me that's that's the state that i got into when i was out west for for nine months i couldn't leave my house it was it was a really hard time it was an extremely hard time for me and the the wild piece for me is that it wasn't until march 1st and i ended up leaving the end of april and then drove across the country with my girlfriend who we went to and we, we stopped in Tennessee for a week before I even got back to New York. But it took until March 1st was a pivotal day for me in so many ways where my, I, I don't know what happened spiritually, emotionally, mentally, but it was a switch that flicked and the hell that I was going through the whole time I was there transferred to, okay, I need to really hone myself into the present moment. Then I started being able to go to the grocery store. I wasn't, I wasn't even able to do that because I was so afraid and I had that hypervigilance because even though I was reconnecting with myself, it's, it's not a quick process because it feels like it's stripped from us because of all of these things, because of the traumas that we've experienced that we're keeping in and keeping in and keeping in. And even if we start talking about them, we start like, in the mount, which I was doing with my therapist and with friends who I, who I could trust. It still was that I didn't trust at that. Then I didn't trust society. And then I got to the point of, I don't have my firearm on me. I'm not safe. And then I'm thinking everyone knows I'm a cop. No one knows I'm a fucking cop. I'm in Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not from Nevada. I wasn't a cop in Nevada. Like, and, but I couldn't go, I couldn't even go into public because I'm like, they know everyone knows. knows. (laughs) And I was bugging out. I would do pickup. I would do grocery pickup. And even at that, I would be watching in my rearview mirror and I'd be checking every single mirror as I'm waiting for them to come up to my car to bring the groceries. And I'm in the paranoid state of, they know, they know I've got no stickers on my car. You know what I mean? There's nothing indicative, but it's that ingrained state of the fight flight. And then when we don't have that security within ourselves of I'm safe without a firearm. And a big piece for me was, I didn't have, this was, this was a huge wake up call for me. I had this weird incident happen that, or a guy had followed me out of a grocery store that this is before I even felt comfortable going to grocery stores. And I had to go in because I had to go to the pharmacy and he followed me out and it could have been a really bad situation, but because I was hypervigilant and in that state of fight flight, I saw what he was doing and that he was following me. So I was able to duck dip dive and everything like in a natural way to get away from this dude. And but we're so also used to being able to call for backup. If we're in a bad way, if we're in a bad situation, we're, we're not alone in the, in, in that physical aspect while we're on the job. And even if we feel alone, you know, behind closed doors with, with what's going on mentally, we're still, we're not alone in, in, in a situation. And that particular situation really brought that to light for me of, I can't just key up and be like, yo, send me one. I got this going on here. And I just, fuck, I lost my shit, dude. I had a full fucking breakdown. The moment I was able to get to my car safely, because I saw the dude pull out and I just sat there for a hot minute. Cause I'm like, I don't know where the fuck this guy just went, but 
lost my shit, completely broke down. I was trying to call my brother because that's the only person I knew out there. And that's why I was out there. And he was even picking up initially. So it's, it's, it's that like, oh, you have that one person and then they're not even there. And, and that is, I think, a, across the board with so many di- different aspects of feeling so alone when you're dealing with these kinds of things that pertain to the job and are side effects of the job. And I went, then I got back to the house. And again, I just, dude, I just dropped to the kitchen floor and I just sat there against the cabinets and I just fucking cried. And I was like, this fucking sucks. This sucks so bad. And if I'm going through this with just this minute situation, like it terrified me. It absolutely terrified me. And it got me to a place of of I don't know if I'm going to be returning east because I don't know if I'm getting out of this situation. And it, it got to a very, very deep, dark place where I didn't even have my brother. And he didn't know how to handle it. He had no idea how to handle it. I straight out said to him, I don't want to be here and express that to him in a very intense way. And he just looked at me and he, he, and I feel like, ugh. I can't really hold this against him, but in a sense, it's like your fucking blood. Like your sister's telling you that I, I want to unlife right the fuck now. And then you, he looked at me and he was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go though. And then just walked out of the house and I just stood there and I was like, holy fuck, holy fuck. I'm by myself. And the big piece was my animals. Like that was a huge piece of what kept me there. And I had two two girlfriends and then evolved into a third one who came out of the fucking blue and she just lives in arkansas and she came like january i don't know the new year brought a lot of things but all of a sudden i just had these these dynamics that i was able to then trust these people these women which is something that i didn't even have it's women in law enforcement that's a whole nother whole nother topic but something i can't relate to yeah, no, it's a whole different, it's a whole different <laughs> ball game. Thankfully, I had a I had a female partner. She was amazing. Like she was great. So we had that good relationship. But um, it's it's at at that that breaking point moment of okay, they were I, I truly believe they were sent to me, and that's where the faith comes in, and it comes into just okay, I'm not alone, and I was able to somehow regulate myself back to a place where I could move forward. And the scary thing and the hard truth is that so many of us don't reach that point. There's to the point of complete no return. And all of it is just that pile up, pile up, pile up of feeling insecure, feeling safety, then not feeling safe. Then then you just get to sit in your own shit. And then the hardest part is the only way out is through. And a lot of people don't feel that they can even do that. So it's, that's such a hard, uh, I think a hard um, truth to the job that so many people don't even realize whether you're on the job or off the job. And that's something that needs to be fucking talked about in academies. We're not, we're not given that hard truth. And dude, I'm telling you, I sat in the academy, mental health has always been my topic. Like since I was a kid, I just always loved how the mind worked. I, when I went to university, I concentrated in psychology and sociology it was just ugh, loved it. The way that it's presented in the academy is so scholastic, I guess you could say. And they get down to the terminology of this, that, and the third, and da, da, da. we don't fucking need to know that. Like we do, but we don't. We need to see how it is out in the open. If when we're dealing with people, like these are the symptoms, we don't need to sit there and write definitions down and shit like that in the academy because you're losing everyone. And I was sat in the class and I'm looking around. And not for nothing, it's predominantly the males because they're like, I got in here to fucking kick the door down and I get all the drugs <laughs> off the street and cuff everyone. And yep. hell yeah, absolutely. But this is such an important dynamic within the job is to not only understand what you're going to be dealing with on the street when it comes to mental health, but what you're going to be dealing with internally. And that's not something that's touched on. And I had said to one of my, my girlfriends who was in the academy with me, and I was like, I leaned forward and I was like, I'm going to fucking change this. I'm going to create something. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to create something that's going to get everyone's attention and actually pay attention during the mental health unit, during the, the, that whole portion, the medical portion of it, because it, there's not even help in that. There's not even help in that and clarity in that and getting to the job. 
at yeah, all. When it comes to when it comes to mental health uh, in the academy, I think that we need to focus not only on like the individuals that we're going to be dealing with that are having issues. I think we need to focus on our when we see our coworker or when we're having these issues <laughs> on the recovery aspect. And I think if we start talking yeah. about it at that young infancy age of law enforcement, that as as it progresses, departments are going to have more more willingness. And I think cops will be yeah. more willing to go out and try to seek, seek, um, seek recovery. I'm, I'm, I'm having issues with this or that. And yeah. I think if we, we put it in their heads at a very young age, a very early in their career, that it's just going to continuously progress and it's not going to be such so stigmatized. Absolutely. Hey everybody. I'm Heather Glogolich, instructor here for street cop training for the course, the complete female cop. This class is not just for females. It's not just about gender specific issues. It was really formed in order to allow people to find that passion again for policing, to understand that their self-identity doesn't need to be changed just because they want to fit the mold and to really help bring about change, change in the profession, not just for women, but for everybody to be heart led servant leaders. If you're interested in taking the course, you can visit streetcop.com and search Heather Glogolich and you'll be able to find it. I'm also really excited to announce that I have a new course coming out. It's going to be called Be The Change. Some of the great feedback I got from this year's conference in Nashville was that the men in this profession didn't feel like they wanted to take a spot away from the women that they work with for my first course that I teach. And so I was really able to sit down and put it together a course about culture change and building effective teams and learning about a growth mindset versus stagnation mindset pushing forward and just being the best cop that you can be both personally and professionally. So really excited for that to be coming out soon. Keep an eye out for it. Thank you all so much. Stay safe and be the change. You mentioned something about your brother and uh, that incident. And I'm, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. It's like, that's fucking awful. But um, yeah, to elaborate a little bit, I, not to that extreme. Um, I, I know for a fact that I'm not relatable when people are going through not the extreme that you were just talking about, but sometimes they're dealing with, some issues that I can't relate to. And I tell the, I, I express like, I don't, I'm not trying to come off as a dick, but I know for a fact that if I give you the answer that I would do, it's not going to be something that you would appreciate because the way I deal with things aren't going to be the way that you need to deal with it. And I know that. So I was like, if mm -hmm. you really want my opinion, I can give it to you. But if anything, you're going to be probably upset with me because the way I would deal with this is not the way that it's going to benefit you by any means. Just knowing certain individuals' personalities. And I think that we have to have some type of relatability to, if people feel comfortable enough to come to us, we have to know a little bit about them in order, because if I say, you know what, I, I would never do that. I, if that was bothering me, I would just like block it off in my world. Like it would, I would just wouldn't even address it. And mm -hmm. some people are like, holy fuck, you're an asshole. I'm like, I'm not trying to be an asshole, no. but I, I know there's certain individuals I could tell that to. And there's certain individuals I'd be like, man, I, I don't know. My answer to you is not going to benefit you. So I think that you should ask someone else. And I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm here to listen. Mm -hmm. But the way I would cope with that is not going to benefit you by any means, because that's how I would deal with it. And I know that you need to kind of work that problem out where I could just be like, close the door, boom, and I'm good. Where you need to like kind of weave in and out of there to figure out what the fuck the root of that problem is. So yeah. I think that we just have to have a, know who we are and then know who we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to backup, I know you talked about a lot of shit, so I'm just, oh, yeah. <laughs> so the backup, I think that we also need backup, not only on the road when we know when shit's about to get hairy and stuff, I think we need backup when we're having issues and have someone that we can confide in within an agency or outside the agency, someone that we know like, Hey, this person is, does this, but he, you know, he's always been my buddy. He's always given me good advice when I've been in down times. So then have that person as your backup, like, Hey, can I talk to you for like 30 minutes? Yeah. And I think that having that that one person or those two people will help you prolong your career, even if they're not in law enforcement. Giving mm. your opportunity. Oh, yeah. You don't necessarily need a therapist. I think you just need a person that you yeah. can talk to that you that you yeah. trust. And whoever that person is, that will that will be very beneficial. Talk about being vigilant. I think that we all need to be vigilant, but there's a difference between being vigilant when a guy's running at you, or there's vigilant where you're just thinking everyone's running at you and that's yeah. not the case. The so paranoia. Yeah. yeah, paranoia. Exactly. Yes. And I think that mm -hmm. we need to know we need us. I know this sounds weird and this might not be consistent across the board, but if we can ingrain in ourselves that everything is going to be okay, mm -hmm. I think that will go a lot further. Because a lot of times we yeah. we look at the smaller things and we're like, holy fuck, 
holy fuck, holy fuck. And it's like that we were thinking about things that we shouldn't be thinking about. We know like, hey, this is going to be okay. That's going to be okay. This is going to be okay. So then now when we do have something that is traumatic to us, we're like, we need to talk about this. But these little things, they'll be okay. That's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. This one, maybe we should address. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that is like being able to just have that, that, that trust and that belief that it's happening for a reason. And then being able to take a step back, almost an out-of-body experience in some type of way to just become the observer. And that's, that's something that is very difficult for anyone to do. Like I have been practicing doing this for a, for a hot minute now. And it's when you're so engulfed in the situation, it's, it's hard to even create that disconnect of, okay, you got the angel and the devil, you've got your higher self and your ego and your ego is the one that's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. it's the one that's ready to react. It's the one that's ready to go. And then your higher self is that voice in your head of just, okay, what, if I do react, what's going to happen? If I don't react, what's going to happen? It's, it's what's, you know, really working you through that process, but we need to be the observer. We need to be able to observe, okay, both sides of the situation and then act accordingly. And it's about being reactive or proactive. And that is that, that balance within law enforcement is so crucial. It is so crucial because we're going to so many different calls. We're handling so many different situations. And even with, with you and your interdiction, it's about being proactive or reactive with how you're speaking with someone. And then how are you going to execute your next step based off how your interaction is going? And I think that that's something where, where we always need to be kind of thinking ahead. But I think what we do a lot of times is project past situations to anticipate what's going to happen. And that does not necessarily mean that same thing's going to happen in this situation. We need to know that it did. We need to know that that's there to keep ourselves safe. But we have to be able to be the observer of that situation to then move forward and remember that this, even though there's a lot of similar aspects, is not the same situation. So it's 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 a very vicious cycle, I think, that a lot of us need to to balance out in in even creating that that centered feeling within ourselves, within with the trust within ourselves and the trust within uh, the moment and our partners within our agency, and then it just keeps stacking up, stacking up, stacking up to okay, I'm okay. Everything's going to be okay. I'm supposed to be here. And that's, that's a concept that I just really wish I could just take everyone and just shake them and be like, (laughs) you're supposed to be exactly where you are. You're supposed to be going through this fucked up situation. You're supposed to be going through this incredible situation because it's creating you as a person. It's just chipping away at exactly who you're supposed to be. And it's putting you down this path that you're supposed to be on. And just guiding you. And even if we never regress, we can stay stagnant. You know, if you keep kind of fucking up and karma and everything's like, you're not learning that lesson. And that's where you're going to be. If if you're, if you keep on anything with with the job, like if you keep doing something repetitively, what is it? um, Definition of insanity. Is this doing the same thing over and over over again? And like, same result. Yeah. Yes. Getting the same results over and over again. It's just that all right, something needs to change. You're not learning the lesson that you're exactly. being taught in that moment. And then uh, with that, that lesson, if you just keep ignoring it, the repercussions are going to get worse and worse and worse because yep. it's, are you going to listen now? No. Okay. Well, how about now? How about now? And then that creates the negative energy within the person. It creates that negative mindset of everything bad always happens and this, there's no and then you get the salty dog like oh they fuck this career and, and i don't yeah. know i'm not doing anything and then you have the whole other side of danger yeah, <laughs> oh, no doubt it's so, it yeah so you i think that i talk about in my class often that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason and that we when we communicate we should be listening more than we're talking and I yes. feel like that community, when we start to t- over talk people, I feel that's the sort of aspect that we get brainwashed in the police academy. And mm-hmm. that's when we start to lose our individuality. And yeah. 
we're placed in these positions because for whatever reason, we are meant to handle those. And there, there's one of two ways you're going to handle. I feel like every everything that you do in life, there's going to be the way, one way or the other. And mm-hmm. and I, whenever the afterlife is, you're going to have this calling and it's going to be like, what if you would have done this instead of this? And I think they're going to, all these yeah. crossroads in your life, you're going to get to see the avenue. And I feel for the authoritative person, we're looking at, we're going to be looking at it. Well, what if you would have taken that authoritative figure off and you would have been mm-hmm. that empathetic, empathetic, empathetic individual that you are? Mm-hmm. And maybe could have related to them and you could have helped them out. And in the long run, you're also being a human and you can communicate and it's not going to affect yeah. you because you're not just putting it in your mind and closing the door. Oh, this is just, you know, this is just some this or that or whatever it is, yeah. some negative situation. It's you and the individual you're dealing with are working it out and you're playing mm-hmm. it out. Now you don't have to go talk about it later. You talked with the individual. You probably helped them out immensely being the listener. And by yeah. you being open-minded to understand the situation, it's not going to create this embedded stress in you. But if you're just authoritative and you're not listening to what's going on and you're trying to communicate and over talk to people and establish the police presence, what your badge gun and uniform already do, you're mm-hmm. losing that that way to connect with individuals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that needs to begin at the academy level. Because if it's not already ingrained in the person of that's what you need to do, that needs to be taught. And it's very difficult to teach that to someone who's in that alpha. We're all alpha. We're, we're all, all of us are alphas and we're different levels of alphas, but it's really hard to get that through to the alpha of I'm here to be the authoritarian. And I think also where we're, we're hitting some interesting hurdles now with the new generation of policing is the disconnect from reality. <laughs> In so many ways, and you know, social media has a massive play on that. And they're just, I've, I have so many opinions when it comes to law enforcement and social media. And that's coming from someone whose social media blew up because of law enforcement. And I saw where it was going on the external side of it, because when, when I started sharing things and it was for me was showing the human aspect of having that connection, because I'm one of the ones who got into this career with the connection. Who, who understood that there needed to be a balance. Did I lose that connection at times? Absolutely, because I was so, so engulfed in the moment and I was consumed by the chaos at times. Not to my detriment at the moment, but afterwards it was like, wow, exactly what you said. If I took the moment, if I took the time to really listen more than I was trying to create that authoritative persona, and being a female within the career of, of feeling like I need to have this the presentation. And I didn't feel that way all the time. There was there it was just particular situations because I also very much owned my my individuality and my femininity, but did see when I started to to have it clouded by a lot of things where I need to be this tough girl, this this everything. And that does not need to happen all the time. It doesn't. And same thing, obviously, on the masculine side. It does not need to always happen. And it's having that balance of the masculine and feminine energy that we all have within us to have that of being able to turn on the nurturing side, the vulnerable side, the listener. And that's the feminine energy. And by no means does it have to do with like, oh, you're weak, you're too girl. No, it's not. It's what we all have within us. And I think when a lot of young guys and even girls get into this career, they see what's being plastered all over online. And it's, it's the emphasized, I hunt the evil you pretend doesn't exist. And And it's like, do you actually understand the evil that you're about to experience? I don't think you really do. And that's not shown within the Academy of of, okay, we go through, all right, here's an example of this case that, that uh, like my academy, we had detectives come from local agencies and show like certain big, big happenings that, that went down and they would show us photos and things like that, but nothing of the intensity of what we were really going to experience. And I think if people come into it with, and I'm going to say with a weaker disposition, but with the alpha mindset of I'm going to be this tough guy, this tough girl, and then they're exposed to all these intense traumatic situations because it's not all drugs. It's not all cops and robbers. It is everything else encompassed in it. And if you're not aware of that and you're only trying to 
I want to be like him. I want to be like her and be tough and be badass. You're, you're, you're already coming in behind. You're already coming in behind. And that's something that with, with the Academy piece of really showing every aspect on the mental health side with who you're going to deal with and what this is, what you're going to experience and how this can affect you and have those examples of people coming in. Cause I don't, I think we maybe had one person talk about PTSD come in and that's, yeah, exactly. And that's a fucking problem because that is such an important piece. And that is what I was saying to my friend of no. And I always, dude, I always said, I was like, when I retire, I'm going to create a program for first responders and for military to focus on PTSD. And here the fuck I am <laughs> doing this. And I'm so I'll just manifest everything. Why not? Like, but, yeah, but it's awesome. true because straight out, I saw that there's it's not there. It's not there. And my girlfriend, who I said was the one in Arkansas, she wanted to become an ENT. And she was telling me how she's like, I take my hat off to all of you, to res- first responders. And she goes, I've dealt with law enforcement on the opposite end not because she did anything bad, but she was just in situations where they needed to come. And she said that when she was going through school for EMT, to be an EMT, they showed them these pictures. They showed them these videos. And she said, that was my defining moment of, I know I wanted to do this for the right reasons, but I don't feel that I have the ability to process this and not have it affect me in a way that is going to essentially destroy my life. And that's something that I think it, it, that that that's a huge piece that needs to be implemented in every academy and every in every agency. And it needs to be really it needs to be talked about because it's 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 not what everyone sees. And I think that, yeah. that is something that we aren't exposed to. We're you know, we're very regimented in a police academy. We go there and it's almost like paramilitary. And towards the end yeah. of the academy, this is this is what's always bothered me is like in the academy, they make us ultra vigilant. We have to and I get it. There are these situations where people want to kill us, want to hurt us, all these things. Mm-hmm. They break us down. And then when we leave the academy, we never got brought back to like normal. Like so now we think anytime we're going to stop a car, there's a pot. And sure, it is a possibility. Or anytime mm-hmm. we deal with an individual, we're going to get in a fight, all these types of things. But it never comes back to the, the level of let's go back to being a human. Let's help you out how to communicate. You already have a foundation of now all these bad situations that you might get involved. And let's talk about 97% of your career, what it's going to be. And you being able to communicate with people is going to save and prolong your career way beyond all this other shit that we just taught you. So you having the ability to communicate and the ability to talk is definitely going to make this career a lot better for you and a lot longer. And then you brought up technology and Mm -hmm. and I, I love technology. I'm with you. I think that it's a great tool. I think the ability to communicate face to face or even on a phone is getting lost generation by generation because we use messenger, we use text messages. So not only have we lost the ability to almost communicate one-on-one, we don't even fucking talk Mm -hmm. on the phone anymore. It's all text messages. So, I I mean, I love it and and it's so convenient and and that's what I love about it. But then also I'm like, I haven't talked to my friend in like seven months. So like literally on the phone, we have not had, I've not heard your voice. We've text messaged 7 million times, but I haven't even heard your voice yet. So so it's it's interesting. And I think that, I think that will be challenging mm-hmm. in the long run for law enforcement, the ability to communicate one-on-one or yeah, in person that we're going to have to do. The law enforcement mm-hmm. and communication is not going anywhere. We are going to have to deal with people no. on one-on-one basis. And that communication aspect, I think will be challenging in the yeah. future. If you do not step outside that technology bubble and practice it, even as a youth. Completely. Absolutely. It's funny too, because you see the difference. You see the disconnect and even report writing. <laughs> like, I agree. Like, com- completely. And it's, it's sad, but, and it, it does, it creates it as a whole, like with, with social media, because that's how so many people interact with each other. I also want to like memes, I think are so important for us. <laughs> it's a great vice. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The what? It's a great vice. I mean, I, love, I, 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 I laugh my ass off daily. Exactly. Because we need to, and it's, you know, we, we need to make fun of, in a sense, we need to find the humor in these horrible situations that we experience. So there's those positive things within Coping the mechanisms. things. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I think a dangerous piece is that so many things aren't realistically portrayed. And there's a time and a place, there's a time and a place, but when you get into the dangerous aspect of it, it's with the, oh, it's all badass, it's all this, it's all that. And, and then so you have the people who are seeing like these influencers who are, who, who are posting their lifting pictures or, you know, women who are attractive in uniform. And then you have these girls like, oh, I want to be a hot cop. And then they don't act, they're not capable of doing the fucking job. And then guys who are just like, I want to be carrying a gun and a badge and be tough. And they're not actually fucking capable of doing the job that there's so many other aspects to this. So it's, it's the devil, you know, I guess, in so many different ways. <laughs> And I think that a lot of people like sign up because they see, I mean, even social media, is pres- it brought a ton of light to law enforcement, good or bad. And and you yes. see like the 5% of the stuff that we do on a daily basis. You, and it's always, it's always the fun stuff. Like everyone that wants to be, you know, for the most part, you know, there's a negative yeah. aspect, but like the, yeah. the, the, the police chases, the uh, finding drugs, the, the canine mm-hmm. unit, the SWAT team, all this stuff that we, as, I mean, as, as a, little boy you like that's what i would want to do you know like yeah that's exactly bullshit. you don't exactly. see the 95 percent of the stuff where we're dealing with the same repeat people individuals on a daily basis or the mm-hmm. report writing or the very like sad stuff like i mean that's where i it's traumatic to me is like the youth dying seeing yes. you know i mean and and you know not yeah. necessarily in tragic i mean it's all tragic but like even like uh, an accident where a young child would die or something not like not like homicides mm-hmm. but just in general just the normal yes, exactly. death even elderly people that pass away and that we have to go and take reports for that bothered me. And it's, it might sound mm-hmm. cold and weird, but the way I was able to cope with that, cause I just, I don't like seeing dead bodies. I don't know anyone that does I, that every time I would take any other fucking mm-hmm. report, but that, like, I just didn't, it, it was w- yeah. too uncomfortable for me, but the way I coped with it, I would always like compare him to Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. And it was a coping mechanism that I can make like a disconnect. Like yeah. that's not a real person. And I wouldn't show that, but mentally I would do that. No, uh, you have to. Yeah. It, it's just not normal for you to see no one. It's not normal for, for us to see dead bodies on a daily or weekly basis, no matter what natural death, still not normal. It's not normal shit. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that's, that, that's what I love so much about what you shared and, and the, that, the statement that was said on that podcast that you shared that so many people don't realize that we're going to be the first one to see your dead child to let you know that you no longer have this child anymore coming home to you. And I don't know if you ever, um, uh, at your agency had to do notifications or if you guys had people who were, were designated to do those, I had to do quite a few, um, Uh, oh my gosh, notifications. Yeah. And that was so hard. And myself, I am a very, um, I'm an intuitive empath. So I absorb everyone's energy and I really pick up on, even on a deeper sense of, of having the empathy for them and create, trying to create that disconnect in that moment. And so many of us are extremely empathetic because of the environments that we're in with this. And it's, it is, it's very difficult to create that when you have, you have to tell them this, but for you, it's business as usual. And for them is their entire world just crumbled in front of, in front of them. And another thing that just really, I think blew my mind on the outside of it after I got out was what we need to do with the dead bodies also. And I don't know how you guys also at your agency was, because I know a certain agencies have full-time EMTs. Other agencies have like the fire department has their EMTs. So then they show up and they're the ones rendering aid where I was, that was not the case. We are, we're small town, um, small, big town, I guess, kind of, but we're, we're the ones always, always in our cars, ready to go volunteers you, are, for the ambulance. Were you, were you cro- yeah were you cross-trained then like uh police and emt so we weren't we could be you couldn't go okay. to to have to have that certification as well as have the emt certification and the agency i work for very much wanted all of us to go through it it's just you know manpower wise is having right right the both things but at the same time as in our academy of course we're taught like the basics of what needs to happen on a call i'm assuming everyone goes through that did you go through that yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
okay, okay. I'm like, wait a second, was that just us? But so we're showing up first and we're the ones rendering CPR first before the ambulance gets there. And here I am where I, there's this one blatant situation that just won't leave my mind. And it was, you know, a man and a woman in his house and whatever they were doing, but then he just dropped dead of a heart attack. Like he was gone. He was done. And we have to make it look good. And we can't, we can't call it on scene. We're not legally allowed to call it. So we need to continue to render aid until the ENTs get there to either call it. And then, then we got to sit with this, this dead body and wait for the, the ME to come. So it's just piling on top of that. Or you're sitting there and I'm just doing CPR, chest compressions on this dude whose bile is coming up out of his mouth and we're bagging him and it's filling up into the bag and it's just everywhere. And then here's the female half of it just on the couch, comatose, staring and then crying and then screaming and then comatose. So it's the entire element of the room and you're just like, he's dead. I'm just pounding away. I'm breaking every fucking rib. It's going through every fucking organ. If by the grace of God knows what this dude's going to come to life in the hospital, you're not going to have, you wouldn't, you wouldn't because everything's done and you're just boom. And they're just dead. And that's a normal day. That's a fucking normal day. That's the same with us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, I mean, we, we do have a full-time fire department and EMTs and all that stuff, but Typically, it's very rare that they are first on scene. It's usually one of our guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's not normal shit. We, I mean, that I know it's part of the job or whatever. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people don't anticipate that. Yeah, a lot of people don't anticipate that's the shit they're going to be doing. Exactly. That wasn't taught to us in the medical unit. It was, you need to know how to do this because you're going to, you know, do the CPR until they get there. It's not going to be like, you're going to be doing the CPR because you can't tell them this person's dead and you're going to be doing CPR on a dead person for like, depending on how fucking long it takes them to get there. Like, yep, exactly. Even just that statement of a realistic scenario in the Academy of guess what? This mm-hmm. is going to fucking happen. If you can't handle that, if you don't think you can handle that and that's okay. I think, Oh my God, I just want to stress that it's okay. If you as an individual don't feel that you cannot handle it. And I, I don't know. I just really want to emphasize this as well, that it's don't push yourself to do that unless i don't know if, if it comes down to a partner safety and a whole dynamic safety you have to you have to go outside that feeling of uncomfortability but if you're not even in it yet and you hear this and you're made aware of the real reality of, of the other aspects of this job you need to put yourself first and your own well-being first and not try to push through that because that's no, when I- you're going to quickly run into those issues yeah. And, and and if it's traumatic for you, just thinking about it or just yeah. doing it on a dummy in the academy and understanding the concepts, imagine doing it in, in, a, in, a, in a life or death situation or mm-hmm. in the situation you're describing. Like that's it's going to be even, you know, times a million. And mentally, how are you going to cope with it? If you if you can make it through that, that's fine. Like, yeah. good. But if you know that's going to affect you negatively, can you really do 20 years of this? Like, right. it's, it's, it's a question exactly. that. The question that's okay to say, nah, I couldn't do it. And if you can, more power to you. And I give you a lot of exactly. admiration. But then it's it's better to say no now than mm-hmm. in 17 years, you are your your individuality is so fucked up because of what you put yourself through when you could have said no, you know, 17 years ago in the academy. And mm-hmm. it, it, no one yeah. would look at you any differently. It's it's no. it's very admirable that you you made that decision knowing who you are as an individual. Yes. I'll touch on one more. I'll touch on one more thing. So, um, dealing with death and being empathetic and dealing with those death notifications, I think that's that is the the worst time if you're going to be robotic as a cop. Imagine I lost my sister ten years ago, and up until that point, that's the first person that I lost. I was super close to me. and up until that point, I'm sure when I went on these calls where people had died, I was very cold. And I knew I was, especially after that. And then once she passed, I, anytime I was dealing with an individual in those situations, I tried to sit with them as long as I possibly could because I was lost. You know, like I, there was months that I was lost after I, I lost my sister. There was months like I, it was a fog. So I can only imagine. And then you, as a cop, you go to a situation, this is the worst day of their life. Honestly, it's going to be the worst yeah. day of their life. You're telling yeah. them something that they never anticipated would happen. 
And then you're this cold robotic cop when they need someone the most. And maybe they live by themselves. You're making that notification mm-hmm. possibly because there's no relatives around them. Yeah. And if you just like, hey, blah, 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 died and you're very cold and you leave, like you just fucking wrecked their world, left them by themselves. I don't know. Like it, it just yeah. you're losing that 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 empathetic ability as you as an individual. And now they're going to look at cops as these cold hearted assholes. And that one incident, you could have been the best person in the world or you could have been the worst person in the world. And there's no doubt about it. Early in my career, I was probably a fucking the worst person in the world because I didn't lo- I didn't, I've never lost anyone close to me. And I didn't understand how impactful that was. And then post that now I'm like, if I have to spend three hours with you, I'll, I'll try to spend three hours with you, you know, like, and, and I, Absolutely. or until someone, until another relative gets here, or our friend gets here. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think that we have to take some time in those delicate situations when we're dealing with individuals, especially involving death or traumatic incidences where we're getting other people there or we're staying there until someone else is there or till we feel comfortable that they are ready to move past this point. Cause you just don't want to leave them high and dry. Cause then they have a bad perception of law enforcement to begin with. Completely, completely. And the first one I actually did was for um, it was, it was an elderly woman, not, not on like the extreme scale of elderly woman, but she was an older woman and her husband just, he was going to the grocery store and I had a medical emergency in the car and it resulted in him losing control. He hit another car. Thankfully the other car was okay, but he was, Another thing is that you don't know what happened in the car. You don't know if he was gone before that or the accident. You have, you have no idea. But at the end of the day, he wasn't coming home. And it was a trooper who needed to make the notification, but he needed another individual with him. Um, so I, I was the one who went. And on it, it was the two, I don't want to say two extremes, but it was it was the polarity between the two of us. Not on the extreme side, kind of, but I I sat with her. Exactly what you said. I sat with her. And, you know, I gave her my hand. She held my hand. We were there for hours. We were there for hours. And I, I would have stayed there for hours more to just be there. And then she kept going through the wave of no, no, no. And then would push me away of like, like full, like push me away. You know, you, how dare you come into my home and, and losing her shit. And I do, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. You girl, you let it out. Like, you know what I mean? I'm here for you. This is fucking horrible. And then it was like the trooper. I don't know. It was an investigator for troopers. And I don't want to give like any like bad connotations to troopers. It was just who was there. And he was just, this happened. I'm very sorry for your loss. And I could tell by his body language, I could feel his energy. I could read his energy that he was like, calm the fuck on. Like, can we just go? Can we just go? And because technically it was his call. It was, it was his notification and I'm not extending it by any, by any means, but my presence gave her that, that comfort. And that also that the feeling of comfort on both sides, that she had someone with her and also someone that she can just let that out. And, in, and I know that might sound weird to maybe some people, but we're trained. If, you, if you're coming at me, like I'm going to be like, that's a bad day, but that's another read the room. You have to be able to be the observer of that situation is it's not you. And she's not grabbing for something or doing something like that. It's, I just came and told you that your husband's not coming home. You're going to be fucking pissed. You're going to be heartbroken. You're going to be pissed. How dare you? Now you're the bad guy. You're the bad girl. Cause you just gave them this horrible news. But at the same time, so on top of that, you don't want to just leave. You don't want right. to do that and leave. Cause now on top of that, with being the cold and the robotic and I basically I was like, kind of like, fuck you, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you want to leave, then you leave, but I'll still sit with her until the family came. Cause that was the other problem is everyone was at work. It was like, I don't know, mid kind of day. So people were at work and no one can get over there yet. So it was sitting with until family got there. And it was just not something that he, it was, it was very clear. He didn't want to do. It was. And she knows that like there's there's no way that like she could not read that. He he was just to the point, very, um, very businesslike when it should yes. that that that's one time in this profession that that's one of many times that it shouldn't be businesslike. You should be mm-hmm. back to the human that you are and show real emotion. Mm-hmm. I love doing this. Uh, the podcast guy's trying to kick me out. So uh, we got to do this again. But yeah, I <laughs> yes. love talking about this. I think this is something that is not discussed enough. And uh, mm-hmm. I love what you're doing and bringing the, to the forefront of, of this profession. So keep doing what you're doing. If you want to talk about your your stuff, you can go ahead and talk about your stuff before we get off here 
Absolutely. Um, I created Wise Mind Wellness and Mentoring for this exact reason. Uh, for collective trauma processing is is I have several different options on my service menu and in the mentoring section. And this is the main reason why I created everything was to give that safe space of I can talk with someone who has been through it, who made it through my, my episodes of, with, with PTSD. I'm not healed. We're all, no one's going to be fully healed ever in their life, no matter what you're going through, but it's creating that safe space where, okay, I'm not going to meet repercussions in one way or another by just sharing that I experienced this moment. It's just listening. And, and what it snowballed from my DMS was people feeling the comfort from what I was sharing and then sharing that. And so it snowballed from that. And then I also had others who a separate thing I have is life path alignment where people are like, I, I'm having these moments. I don't know if this career is for me anymore. And if it's not, what do I do? Like, where am I going? What, how did you figure out what you were doing? So, so everything's based off how I have been able to get through my experiences and what I can give to others in terms of mentoring you through what's going on be the listener for you and then also discuss okay if this isn't what you want to do then what is it that lights your fire let's work this out let's figure out what your next step is or maybe you just needed to get everything out and then you say oh okay no i'm good i'm good it was just it was just too much for me in this moment in time so that's why i i started it and and I want to say I feel as though it's, it's been having a positive impact. So, if it, but changes, I, if it if it has impact on one person, you're doing a great job. That's, that's it. All that that's exactly exactly. And I I had at least at least that. So that is what I feel is my purpose here is is to be that guide, to be that ear, and to not project anything, but to just be able to give that realistic side to it. Of you're not alone. You are so seen, you're so heard, and you're worthy of living a life free from this trauma. You don't have to keep it in and you don't have to keep it in with the fear of, I don't have anyone to talk to. And not everyone has that friend, that safe space to even just go to. So I am here. (laughs) I'm here for you. Come to me. Don't come to me. That's okay. But at least, you know, it's here. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Well, I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. And then we'll do this again for sure. It's great Hell talking yeah. to you. You too, Kenny. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.